Yeah, it was, I feel, yeah, life-changing. Or It was so powerful to feel that validation and that there wasn't anything wrong with me and that all of these things that I hadn't even dared to kind of dream could be for me then became available and I was living a life that I didn't even know was possible for me. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 182. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a wonderful interview with Jesse and Roy. They've been together for a couple of years and exploring non-monogamy together. Roy has been exploring non-monogamy for about 10 years, while Jesse has only been a couple of years, so she's a little bit newer. But it's a wonderful and beautiful conversation. Yeah. And uh, they have great, we have a great conversation on setting boundaries. And Roy also is a relationship coach. He's started doing that um, through the pandemic because his job uh, stopped being his job. (laughs) So so he kind of transitioned and he's been doing some great work. And so we're super excited to uh, get the word out about that. So uh, a couple of things to know. Um, his work is called Open Relating. That's his uh, coaching business. business. And there will be links in the show notes. There are links in the show notes uh, to his website. But there is a workshop coming up on May 30th. That's this coming weekend, this coming Sunday. and May 30th, of, 2021. Yes. <laughs> uh, all of the information is in the show notes. It's only like 15 bucks, 10 to 15 bucks, depending on which type of ticket you pick. Um, and it's also a collaboration with a previous guest we had, uh, Claire, from episode 177. And the workshop is on setting healthy boundaries in non-traditional relationships. Yeah. And Roy also has a full-blown course that's launching on June 27th. More information on that. So anyway, check out all of his work. Um, it's a great conversation today. Thank you for being here, Roy and Jesse as well. Yes. It's awesome. Before we jump into their interview, we do have our normal couple of quick announcements. First up, Thank you to everyone who joined our meet and greet last week. We had a wonderful group and so much fun. So if you want to join, which you totally should, join the next one. It's going to be on Wednesday, June 23rd. So we're choosing a Wednesday this time uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern, not Pacific, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. That's 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific. And we'd love to have you. It's $10 and open to anyone. Links are on our webpage. Just click on the meet and greet tab and sign up. And a huge, uh, extra huge thank you to everyone who is a part of our Patreon community. Uh, If you want to learn more about that, stick around to the outro. We're going to talk about it. But we just wanted to throw some dates out there. Uh, Tonight, uh, May 26th, we have our monthly video Q&A. There's still time to join and be a part of that if you're uh, in need of questions that need answers. If you have questions that need answers... There is one at 9 p.m. Eastern and one again at 9 p.m. Pacific. And just a quick note on that, we do label them as Q&As, but they end up being lovely discussions around the the community and lots of different topics are brought up. So if you're curious at all, we encourage you to just come try it out. And 
Also, the men's and women's group calls. So the men's group call for June is June 7th, and the women's one is June 9th. So again, all of that is on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Patreon button, and you can find all that, that information. And one last thing we wanted to promote or share as a resource with everybody is our favorite way to get tested for STIs. This is the service that Emma and I use. We've been using it for years, and we're super excited because this year, they dropped the price by like $70 which is awesome. It used Woo-hoo! to be it used to be $200 and is now $130 with our discount code. You get a little discount if you use our links uh, in our show notes or at normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the resources tab. But anyway, STD check is awesome. We love it. Uh, you basically sign up online. You fill out a form. You print it off or it actually gets sent right to them. You go to like a LabCorp or a Quest. You give them your blood and all of your other bodily fluids they want. And like a day later, you get a text with all of your results uh, in your online portal. And it's just, yeah, it's awesome. It's easy. It's private. You don't have to have weird conversations with your doctor. Although you should you should have these conversations with your doctor. But if you can't, uh, this is a great way to do it. Or if you don't want to go see your doctor every six months, <laughs> if you don't like him that much. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, check it out. Using this resource, using STD Check does support the show financially. So we are hugely grateful for Use the links on our webpage. Yes. Uh, we are hugely grateful for that. So thank you in advance. And thank you to everybody who has used it. Uh, we're super appreciative. Yes, we really, really, really do appreciate it. Also, before we jump in the show, a quick reminder, go to our website. We always say it way too many times, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the contact us button, send us an email, send us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you as always. And if you want to come on the show, we'd love to have you come on the show as well and share your story. So You could be the next Roy and Jesse. Yes, you can. And with that, I think we should go talk to Roy and Jesse. Let's go. Welcome to the show, Roy and Jesse. We're super excited that you are here. And thank you so much for reaching out to us. Yeah, thanks. We're really excited to be here. Um, I've been listening to your show for a long time. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And uh, you know, we we know a little bit about you. Uh, presumably, nobody else does. So, do you mind introducing yourselves, and then we can kind of dive into your story and maybe why you're why you're here talking to us on a podcast about non-monogamy? <laughs> sure. Uh, so, my name is Roy. Um, I live in London, UK. I've been uh, identifying as mono- as a non-monogamous or polyamorous for about ten years. And before that, I've had uh, you know a couple of decades of uh, monogamous relationships. I'm uh, I'm trying to turn fifty, but the uh, the COVID is putting a break on like trying to actually celebrate it. So until I can properly celebrate it, I'm not yet fifty. It doesn't uh, count. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. count. COVID birthdays don't count. Exactly. I hear you. Um, and um, I've uh, but but COVID did um, bring about a, a big change in my life because I've been put on a furlough from work and I've. Um, started looking into other things that I was interested in and where my passion lies. And I um, started training uh, in psychotherapy and uh, uh, became a coach to work with uh, people who are exploring non-monogamy. So, yeah, a very big change uh, going on. And uh, I'm feeling I'm on this, like, brand-new journey now. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, we'll definitely dig into that a little bit more because I want to hear about that. Yes. And, um, th- yeah, thanks for for the intro and thanks for being here. And how about you, Jesse? Um, hi, I am Jesse and, uh, yep. I'm in my late twenties. I'm living, um, in London with Roy 
no, not with Roy. In the same city. We don't live together. Um, and I guess I've been non-monogamous, like practicing non-monogamy for about two and a half years. And then, but had pushed away monogamy for about a year before that. Um, so it took me a little while to discover polyamory after sort of firmly deciding that monogamy wasn't the right fit for me. Right. So. Like you knew, you knew monogamy wasn't it, but you didn't know what, what it should be or what it yeah, could be. Yeah. I kind of, I'd heard, like, I'm sure I'd heard of polyamory, but it had been years ago. I didn't know anyone. So it, it kind of took a while of just kind of, I don't know, doing, trying different things before I finally met a bunch of poly people and everything sort of fit into place at that point. Um, yeah, that's, that's exciting. I think, so I, I think what would be awesome is to, first of all, like hear how long you two have been together and maybe how you met, but then also it sounds like, you know, Jesse, you've been polyamorous or exploring monogamy for just a couple of years and, and Roy, you know, closer to a decade. So maybe hearing your sort of individual journeys into this and then like sort of what it's looked like for the two of you as a, as a team. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I'm actually, I think it's very interesting that uh, there's a generational difference here in terms of the accessibility to information about it. So when I was in my twenties, I didn't know there was any other option other than, you know, monogamy. And I, uh, defaulted into long-term monogamous relationships and I was married. Um, and at some point in my marriage, um, we did try to have an open relationship, but it was more about let's save our relationship because it's not working by sleeping with other people. And that didn't really work. So, um, yeah, it took me a few, what I considered failed relationships at the time to get at the point of, um, wondering if there's another way. And that was around maybe 11 years ago after the, um, the, my, my kind of a breakup, um, from another long-term monogamous relationships. So at that time I was dating online dating and basically being, um, you know, open and honest about the fact that I'm not exclusively dating, but I didn't really have any word or, you know, vocabulary for it. And I met someone online and in our first date, she explained to me that she's non-monogamous and that she, um, you know, wants everything to be open and transparent and she just doesn't want to do monogamy. It's, you know, she was divorced and she just, that wasn't for her. And I just heard that, um, I really liked her and I wanted to keep seeing her. So that was basically her boundary. Right. And I wanted to explore and understand what that might feel like. And logically it all made sense. And once we started dating and I realized I can, also did other people and just talk to her about it. And I can go traveling and share with her my, um, adventures and, uh, flings and things like that. Uh, yeah, it just, um, I realized that it's been in my, me all along. And part of the reason why I always felt a little kind of unsatisfied and unfulfilled in monogamous relationships was because of that, because I'm not monogamous. Um, and, over the years, I've explored different um, dynamics of non-monogamy, including open relationship, uh, hierarchical polyamory, non-hierarchical polyamory, and I learned a lot from them. Um, I did have one three-and-a-half-year relationship where we lived together and we were polyamorous, but there was a lot of 
toxic behavior and, and, and struggles there because our values didn't align. And I kept trying to make it work because I, I didn't have enough knowledge of what, how to really make polyamory work. So, um, that ended pretty badly, but I did learn a lot from that. And I met Jesse about two and a half years ago. And just after, well, maybe a few months after that breakup and after a few months of therapy and, um, yeah, the, the way that we started dating, the, the communication we had in the beginning with Jesse and with my other partner was totally different and showed me that there is actually a way of, you know, making polyamory work without the drama, without the, the pain and the struggles, as long as the communication is really clear and your, and our individual boundaries are well thought out and well communicated. So yeah, the last two and a half years were amazing. And, um, I, uh, identify if you, you know, put a label on it as solo polyamorous, I do really, um, dig the values of uh, relationship anarchy. I wouldn't say that I subscribe to the entire philosophy, but I do really appreciate the values. And I guess that brings us up to date in terms of my non-monogamous journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you, and thank you for, for the overview, when you when you met that woman uh, back at the beginning and she was like, hey, I want to, you said you want to be seeing her, but she was like, here's my boundary. My boundary is we're going to see other people. How did that like shift for you work? Because that's kind of a big revelation, like if you haven't really ever done that before. Yeah, it is. And I have to say, I, um, I mean, I've never been a jealous person and I always like really enjoyed seeing somebody flirt with my partner um, and giving them attention. And I just felt kind of almost flattered. Like, yeah, I've got, you know, good choice in women because other men also like them. And in that sense, um, I just thought, yeah, that makes total sense. And, and I don't, I'm not quite sure about it, but I'm willing to give it a try. And of course, initially I was still in this kind of programming of monogamy. So I did always thought, is, is it actually okay? But I would check in with her and she would give me reassurance because she had a bit more experience and that was really helpful. Yeah. And so it, it sounds like you said though, that like there were some other relationships after that, that were maybe a little more challenging and there were some toxic pieces and probably some learning along the way of what, what you need to, who you need to be and how you need to show up in order to make these things work. Um, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of learning what not to do, you know, so making yes. all the mistakes. So I now know what they are and what happens when you're making those mistakes. Um, and, uh, internalizing and processing these lessons is super important because it's very easy to get into a cycle where you're repeating toxic behavior. Um, but I feel that I've really learned and integrated that through therapy as well. That was also really important. And, and specifically because I found a therapist that was herself poly and, 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 uh, and kinky and, and really understood where I was coming from and didn't judge me for any of that. Yeah. Do you mind sharing any of those lessons that you learned? I'm sure there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There is a lot. Uh, Let me think. So one of the important things is about um, really knowing what you want. You know, what are your boundaries? I came into that specific relationships without clear boundaries because it was the first polyamorous live-in hierarchical relationship. So, I didn't know what I, what I wanted from that. 
And I just had this image in my head of us living together, but having our own independent lives and other relationships and just talking about everything openly, but not realizing that, uh, my partner had, you know, her own insecurities and anxieties around that and that I wasn't aware of, but, um, you know, and then she didn't certainly maybe even know to tell me what they are, but if my boundaries were clear in terms of this is how I practice, you know, polyamory. Um, and so if they were that clear, clear at the, at the beginning, then if something happens where she reacts negatively to something I do or to something I will say I want, then I won't just say, okay, we'll do it your way, even though I don't really believe that that's the right thing. So um, stepping back from my own boundaries because they're not firm enough and going along with something, agreeing to say an agreement that's really about protecting her, uh, her needs, but compromising mine, right? So I think that uh, when you're doing it in the beginning, it feels okay because there's a lot of um, new relationship energy and you're excited about it and you want to make a good, you know, kind of make it work. But longer term, that it becomes much, much trickier afterwards to come up with these issues and say, actually, you know what? I don't agree with the way we're doing it and I want to change because then the reaction will be like, but you've already done it and this is how I, you know, I, I want it that way. So, yeah, and I've repeatedly, uh, I think, um, compromised and it did something to my soul because I wasn't living my authentic self. So I think a lesson there is to, you know, really focus on being your authentic self, even if it risks like um, creating an issue because you want to deal with these issues, as, you know, early on in the relationship. Um, another lesson is uh, understanding that your values align. There are so many different ways of doing polyamory. And just because you're both polyamorous doesn't mean you're going to be compatible and it's going to work. And just because you might be might work out uh, when you're dating and seeing each other once a week doesn't mean you can live together, right? Mm -hmm. And make it work. For example, I've learned that lesson too. So um, yeah, talk about your values and talk through scenarios that where your values might be challenged. I think that I've learned that. Yeah, those are uh, very powerful and very uh, front of mind. Yes, most for, definitely. So thank you uh, for that. And then I think maybe Jesse, it'd be wonderful to hear how how you got here. And it sounds like the two of you met right at the beginning of your journey journey. Yeah. Yeah. We met at the start of that. Um, I'll go back a little bit though. Um, I guess I had quite a long-term monogamous relationship from when I was a, like 18 um, and was very much in love and sort of expecting things to last um but always felt so drawn to other people and kind of sexually interested and romantically interested and I felt these really strong pulls towards other people um and I just felt so guilty about it um and at the time I was I just spent those years kind of in the back of my mind, just questioning whether I was able to love right. Um, and yeah, having a lot of guilt around not being able to sort of completely focus on one person. Um, and we ended up breaking up, I guess, but 
not for directly related reasons. Um, I just felt like we had grown apart, but that kind of feeling of, I guess, yeah, being a bit unfulfilled and, uh, and that feeling of being pulled in sort of different directions at the same time really stuck with me and being like, that's just not what I want. And I can't see myself being happy with just one person. Um, and I just want to uh, say that it's interesting because I've held the same things when I was younger, but I just felt I had no choice. I had to accept the narrative and just mm. deal with it. And I just thought, yeah, the problem was with me, but I'll somehow fake kind of pretend that I'm okay with it. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I guess. So, so after that, I was like, right, monogamy is not for me. I'm just gonna sort of sleep with as many people <laughs> as I can. Like that'll be my thing instead, you know, just casual sex. That's like the opposite of monogamy, right? Um, <laughs> and well, then, yeah, you have to go. You have to go to the opposite. You can't find the yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> In my mind, that was that was the next logical yep. sort of step. So I did that for about a year, and. I found that again, very unfulfilling because either the, you know, some of the other people would develop these kind of feelings for me and ask me to be sort of exclusive. Um, and I'd get frustrated because I would always be very clear from the beginning that that's not what I was looking for. And so they would get hurt or I would sort of develop feelings, but because they wanted to be seeing other, it's not that I didn't want them to see other people, but they wouldn't have the reciprocal feelings because for them it was just very casual. So I kind of felt like that there's, there's no way to do that without one of the people getting hurt. And then I ended up at a, um, sex positive festival, um, quite by chance, and because of a um, connection with someone from my dad, actually, um, but quite a few degrees of separation from my dad. So, <laughs> so that, <laughs> that makes it a bit less weird. But yeah, found myself at this sex positive <laughs> festival. Um, and all of a sudden I was talking to, yeah, all these non-monogamous people who were living these lives that I didn't realize was actually kind of possible. Um, and yeah, so I met, uh, I met my ex partner there. We started dating and then I also met Roy there, but we didn't start dating until a few months after that. And then, so I was with this other person for nine months and then we broke up and then I've been with Roy sort of since so there were a few months of overlapping as well yeah yeah, yeah. can you are you able to name drop the sex positive festival like does that is that thing still like does it still happen maybe not with covid but like is it still in existence um hopefully it's called the summer house weekend um it's i've been i've, been, I've gone i think for four or five times in a row but uh yeah uh, it didn't happen last year but i i, I hope it'll continue yeah yeah yeah. What is that? I mean, just because I'm now, I'm just curious. What is what it? Is it like? What does it look like? Yeah. 
So it's camping, um, okay. <laughs> camping, but with showers and it's a few days, like a long weekend, I think. And there are lots of different workshops. Um, a lot of them quite vanilla, um, some, I don't, you know, yoga, like breathing workshops or laughter workshops, and then kind of getting into more kink workshops and then play parties in the evening. Dungeon. A dungeon. There's like uh, queer only kind of spaces, queer play parties, and then anyone can enter play party spaces yeah. it's kind of part spa because they have also sauna and hot tub and things like that and it's part uh, a party place part education workshops and talks that are related to sex positivity sexuality and things like that um yeah and it's uh, trying really hard to also be very um inclusive and diverse mm -hmm. um, but it attracts people that are also quite diverse and some of them are i guess very new to everything and some are so you, you may have swingers you may have uh, burners and hippies and uh, people who just you know are looking for something different um, but yeah I think it's a good melting pot in that sense mm. it sounds amazing yeah very cool <laughs> thank you yeah and I think it makes sense here to kind of start talking about your journey together so you met and you you were dating so Jesse you were dating someone else at that time but you two started dating as well and how has your journey progressed in your relationship Oh, it's hard to kind of define all in one go. Take your time. <laughs> um, it's been, uh, I don't know. At the start, it was very, it was very sexual. Um, and at least, yeah, for me, I think because of the age difference, I sort of had a bit like compartmentalized it a bit in my head or like, or maybe like defined it as uh yeah just sort of some casual sexual fun um and then I sort of accidentally fell in love <laughs> and it was like oh <laughs> kind of did question things with the age gap but then it just became really clear that that was the only thing that was giving me pause and that everything was fantastic um and so to kind of push that away just because of one thing um was a bit yeah was a bit silly and the relationship was worth a lot more to me than than that mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think it gave me pause as well because when I met Jesse, I didn't really know how old she was. And I generally, when I meet people, I don't ask them for their age. That's not the important thing. Um, my past relationships, I've been with women who were older than me, same age, younger. I don't really consider that that's an issue. But um, yeah, we didn't it, mention age for, in, well. for, for quite yeah. a while. I think the feelings were already there. And then when we compared ages, we were both a bit like, oh that's a bigger gap than yeah we both thought does it matter uh, nah. i think it matters in the sense of being aware of it and recognizing the dynamic the power the power dynamic that exists and knowing that it's there and then when you know then you can basically avoid uh things that you know some certain pitfalls it's not just age because age represents 
an income gap, experience gap, uh, social capital, and you know, and how many people you know on the scene and things like that. So there's a bunch of stuff that's involved, and it's really important to name them. Um, yeah. And I think we did a pretty good job with that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> do you do you two ever get pushback or questions questions about it, like um, that? Maybe like people, goes. people treat you slightly differently because there is an age gap. You were a bit aware, like concerned and actually uh, kind of uh, self-aware of that when we were out in public, I remember in the beginning. Yeah. But I'm aw- yeah, I'm quite aware of it in sort of public, um, yeah, very public spaces like the train. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say that we are, I think, lucky to live in a such a cosmopolitan, diverse um, and liberal city like London. Mm. And our community specifically is the kind of burner community, uh, sex positive community. People are very accepting, very non-judgmental, very open. And I think that they don't look at things like age. They look at who you are as a personality, you know, and mm-hmm. whether you're caring, whether you're social, whether, you know, you basically... Um, are a good person. So in that sense, I don't, I haven't felt any. No, I've never had any comments or yeah, bad treatment that I've noticed. It's more, I think it was just more internalized, like from, yeah, from myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, was, I, I appreciate that. And I was also curious, I know we kind of dug into like, Roy, when you started exploring monogamy, like it, like sort of the shifts that happened for you. And Jesse, you talked a little bit about like, you were kind of feeling all these things, but you didn't know there was really like another way to do it as well. And then you've met all of the, the poly people at the, um, at the festival. Like what did that look like for those first couple of months or first year afterwards where like you're starting now, like a whole new framework of how relationships can work? Yeah, it was, um, I feel, yeah, life-changing or, it was so powerful to um, feel that validation and that there wasn't anything wrong with me and that all of these things that I hadn't even dared to kind of dream could be for me then became available and I was living a life that I didn't even know was possible for me. Um like a better, yeah, in a having better relationships and experiences than I, yeah, that I knew about, and and it and it wasn't, I guess it it's sounding very positive, and overall, sort of for my life, it was very positive, but it was there was still diff- a lot of difficult moments in it, um, and there still are like polyamory isn't all a walk in the park there's like a lot of work that comes with it but it all just felt so worth it because it just felt so right and it yeah um what were some of the the challenges you came up against i think the the person that i was with was more experienced so not yeah not Roy the this other person was kind of more experienced than me in polyamory but I didn't now is kind of questioning how poly he is um and at the time 
he had a lot of insecurities. So trying to navigate and learn about what polyamory is with someone who had quite inconsistent reactions to things depending on sort of his moods Mm. I found that very sort of confusing um and I guess I modeled thing like what kind of trying to figure out what's okay and what's not because he was my first experience with it and so he would get upset about me doing things and then sort of Roy might do a similar thing to me that I did to upset him. Like Roy would do the same thing to me and then I would get upset and then we would sort of talk about it and realize actually I'm, o- I'm only feeling upset because he was. And so I feel like that's the reaction and it kind of took a bit of taking a step back and being like, what, yeah, what are my feelings and what are my boundaries rather than just kind of copying what was there and modeling off of somebody else? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, you see a lot of times when people, I guess, jump into non-monogamy um, and find that it just works. They think it works for them better than monogamy because monogamy didn't work for them but not necessarily taking the time to explore who are they authentically, right? And really what they, what do they want and whether it's the right thing for them. It's just that it's the other alternative. So we'll just go with that. But if you don't address the, the core issues around insecurity, around um, uh, various attachment, you know, um, styles, etc., then the same patterns will repeat whether it's a, a monogamous or non-monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the end, that's kind of why, we broke up um me and this other guy because just realized that we weren't as compatible as we thought and yeah is that thing where just because we were both polyamorous doesn't mean that we were wanting the same things yeah Yeah, that's an important point that being polyamorous doesn't necessarily mean that your wants and needs overlap yeah and and also you said like you were you were judging what was quote unquote right and wrong based on their reactions to your behavior. And then you were just translating that across the board (laughs) without even being like, well, that doesn't actually bother me. (laughs) Yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah. Being like, well, it bothered him. So it, so it's wrong. Some, for some reason (laughs) without kind of doing that critical thinking of wait, like, wait, why is it wrong? What's wrong here? Oh, Nothing, I guess, for me. So, Do you mind sharing if either of you have other partners now and what your kind of what your relationship looks like at the moment? Yes, I'll go first because mine is shorter. Um, I, I did have another kind of casual partner, but they, they broke up with me yesterday. So (laughs) sorry. (laughs) It's like, it's that thing where it's sad and it kind of sucks. But actually, I do think it's for the best for both of us. Sort of, I guess the the pandemic did sort of change what we were both looking for, and we kind of w- went in different directions. Um, and it wasn't 
a super serious like we went in love um mm-hmm. so yeah. i'm fine but, it's but still, so now it's still it's hard just, it's still it is hard. still hard yeah um yeah but and now you're available now <laughs> i guess well i was available you have more time at least. Uh, yeah i guess i have more time um but yeah. so right now just roy but not just like not just in like a negative way but well, um, so I have uh, another partner that I've been seeing exactly the same length of time as Jesse. We actually started seeing each other at the same weekend. Um, we all kind of connected at the same party. So uh, that's been really interesting because that's never happened to me where two relationships developed in parallel right from the beginning. You know, And I think that actually made it easier because they know they knew, they, they met, they knew of each other and... Um, it, uh, yeah, I think that made it easier to communicate what was going on. Apart, and then um, let's see, I, I recently started seeing another person in the last uh, few weeks, so that's quite new, and uh, still don't know, you know where that will lead. Uh, and uh, before the pandemic, I had a few um, comments uh, around the world in different cities. I used to work in, in, in uh, a job that uh, helped, basically took me traveling quite a bit, so it was uh, possible to maintain a connection, but I don't know what will happen with that. Uh, you know, we haven't seen each other in such a long time that it's difficult to maintain the long distance relationships. Totally. Yeah. yeah. COVID. Damn COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was, so I'm just now, I'm just nosy and curious about like, you've developed these two sort of parallel relationships and you said you, you like a lot of the values in the relationship anarchy. Um, but maybe you don't ascribe to all of them. I guess, and not that our podcast is a designator of who is a primary versus, you know, a secondary, whatever terminology you want to use, but you and Jesse are here together. Has, have those relationships developed at different intensities, maybe, is the actual question. I mean, they definitely develop at different intensities because there are different people and mm-hmm. they have different intensity levels, you know, and, and uh, the way I am with each one is different. Mm-hmm. Um, my other partner is much more private um, and uh, uh, has a different lifestyle, so and and and, and uh, different needs for time together and things like that. So it it does look different. Yeah. Um, and but I don't I don't really believe in describing you know kind of labels of primary, secondary, and things like that. I think right. that each relationship stands on, the, on its own merit. That's what I like about relationship anarchy as a value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that. And I wasn't trying to like paint you into a box. I was trying to ask the question and not use all sorts of offensive words <laughs> to the relationship anarchists, but I got close. Close enough. <laughs> um yeah. How open yeah. are you to in your life with friends and family about your non-monogamy journey and, and how has that been received? I think you should start first. <laughs> I'm incredibly open. I've told I don't know, literally everyone, like my nan thinks it's fantastic. I think she thinks it's a bit of a phase, but she's very sort of supportive of like, oh, you young people just doing what fits you and doing what feels good for you. Um, So she's very supportive. Um, My friends are pretty supportive. Um, I started a new job like a month ago. And in my second, I think my third week, um, asked 
every two weeks people will do a talk on something um on any topic sort of outside of work so <laughs> i gave a talk on non-monogamy at my sort of third week of being there um wow so, <laughs> i was gonna say that, that takes guys yeah. really well and when i not it wasn't to the, the whole company it was to sort of my team of 20 people um Still but yeah pretty significant. it was very well <laughs> received <laughs> i don't know I, yeah i'll work my way up yeah um yeah that's amazing. Actually, that's really bold. That's amazing. I just kind of shout about it and then just like, if you don't like it, just get out my face. <laughs> I, I really admire, I really admire Jesse's tenacity in, in, in that way. You know, uh, for me, it's been a slow burn. Uh, when I first started, I was trying to kind of keep it more of a private thing and I just didn't feel it was anybody's business. And I kind of, I was I kind of a bit concerned about on the work side and business side, but I think over time, I just got used to it. I'm hanging out with a lot of people who are either non-monogamous themselves or very kind of accepting. And then I think that uh, maybe about three years ago, I gave a talk about um, toxic masculinity and uh, back in my home country, Israel, where I grew up. And that was like in front of 300 people. So I thought, and that was it was going to go on YouTube. So I thought my mom might hear about it. So I better like tell her. Because I was going to use polyamory as an example of how I learned to recognize and deal with, you know, and kind of combat toxic masculinity. You know, that polyamory gave me a lot of tools for that. So I kind of have, I took it for lunch, for lunch and told her. And uh, I was actually quite surprised how kind of easy she took it. You know, she didn't, wasn't really phased. She's just like, yeah, whatever is good for you if it makes you happy. She was actually concerned about our age gap yeah. <laughs> um, like, and more in the sense of like, if Jesse wanted children, what will, you know, what will happen and stuff like that. But uh, she isn't quite fully understanding polyamory. No. <laughs> so if she, I wanted children, then I would sure, find doesn't. someone to have children she with. <laughs> you, know, cause she, you know, obviously if you're my partner, she just, from her point of view, that's mm. yeah. Um, and then uh, since then I've just been pretty open about it. And now that I have a website and where I tell my story and I do, you know, I write a blog and I do Instagram lives and things like that. So yeah, it's pretty public. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing both of that yeah. or all of that. Both yeah. Of that. <laughs> both of that. <laughs> Sometimes I get tongue tied too. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, so just, you've kind of like talked about how you shot it from the mountaintops, which is amazing. And mm -hmm. I think it also kind of speaks back to what you said when you like showed up at the, um, sex positive festival, like you learned all of these things. Cause like, it's not like we touched on earlier, like you went from monogamy to like, well, the other option is sleeping with everybody for like a year. And it sounds like you found that there was more than that. And not that that's, there's anything wrong with either of those paths, but you found that there was more and you found something or lots of things that you were interested in found more fulfilling. Like, do you mind mm -hmm. talking about like, what are some of those things you found? And then I'm, I'm assuming like Roy, you've also found some of that as well. Like you both have mentioned kink a little bit and maybe that plays into it. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know where to start. I guess, um, just the, the love and the care that you can get and sort of breaking down what relationships mean 
Um, and that's with sort of friendships as well. So I guess kind of falls a bit more into relationship anarchy and being able to really think about what you want from a relationship with a particular person and kind of whatever you can think of, if it, as long as the other person is also happy for it, kind of you can, that, that goes, you can have that. So rather than having to sort of let go of relationships where there's one aspect that's sort of not working kind of with monogamy or have, having one person to have to fulfill everything for you or, you know, letting go of certain desires or needs so that you can be with that one person. It, yeah, it doesn't work like that. So just being able to be so creative with the relationships that you have with the people in your life I found really eye-opening especially because of what it tells you about yourself um and I think it gives you permission you to explore a lot more no? yeah mm. yeah and then, and kink was a big part of that as well where I never really met kinky people either and had tried it with sort of other people that weren't really into it I guess just sort of asking them and people would sort of do role plays or do bits like kinky things because I'd asked and it was never very enjoyable so again I kind of thought oh I guess I'm not kinky or I guess that's not really for me and then um met actual actual kinky people who got joy from the things that I wanted as well and then that was also a massive game changer like oh shit I guess <laughs> I guess I really am kinky I was just doing it with the wrong people you know I guess the other person actually has to enjoy it as well surprise surprise <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's, I mean, so I, uh, I similarly, I think, uh, when I first, uh, found out about nomonogamy, I had this phase of, oh my God, I can basically have sex with all of people and it's all okay. You know? And interestingly, when you're partnered, you seem to, I seem to be a lot more attractive to women than when I was single. So, you know, having that, but, and, and being able to act on it, um, got me quite excited about being more experimental and, um, kind of going a little bit, maybe a little bit too, not, not too much, but just like having a lot of connections with, with different women. And, and that kind of over time toned down because I, val I, I learned to value the depth of the connection a lot more and getting to know people deeper, develop, creating something together. Mm. The, so yeah, kind of quality over quantity, let's say not that there's anything wrong with either, but it, it's kind of, it's because it's been a journey. And thanks to being open and being able to explore different things with different people, I also discovered kink because it was not with my first uh, non-monogamous partner, but it was with someone else. So, yeah, if I was monogamous, maybe I wouldn't have gotten there, right? So I think that it's all, I also owe that um, to non-monogamy. And um, bo both kink and polyamory, I think, have what they share in common is this... Um, 
this concept that everything is open, you know, that your creativity or imagination can take you anywhere. The only boundary is your own needs and your own kind of uh, safety and of the other person that you're engaged with. Um, and that's, I think that's really beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Think it is really beautiful. Do either of you see, I guess, your relationship styles changing in the future? I know it's like an impossible question. Yeah. <laughs> Personally or between us, I guess that's uh, kind of the same. I mean, our relationship has changed. Um, for, sure. for sure. It has changed several times. And I, I suppose some of it was an external influence like, you know, COVID and the pressures around that definitely, uh, I think, changed them um, in different ways. I think largely positive because we ended up spending a lot more time together. We even lived together at some point. Um so emotionally, maybe we got closer, but also it presented a lot of psychological pressures on both of us. For me, it was about you know, not working for a long time and just seeing with other anxieties. So that, I think, um, I, was a challenge. Um, I don't see myself ever going back to monogamy, but um, I don't really know and I don't really care to know or to have too much of a plan of how non-monogamy, how it will look like in the future. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about it changing and I know it will change and that's okay. I think that training myself to, um, accept and welcome changes is part of my journey, part of my work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess kind of s s very similar. I don't tend to think very much about the future <laughs> because I find it too stressful. If you know, if you have, I'm not very good when plans change. If, if I have a plan or an idea that something's going to happen, if that doesn't happen, I can find that quite difficult. So if, if I had a, I think having a plan would limit me in a lot of ways. And so I don't think about it. <laughs> it's just sort of what is, stuff will change for sure. And I have no idea in what way, but. I think maybe building on sort of that discussion um, of like changes and where and, and that type of thing is like, how have each of you seen each other grow and change you know, in the last two, two and a half years since you've been together? Mm. I've, yeah, I've really seen Roy just go for what he wants in a kind of really fearless way, especially with, yeah, with COVID kind of making things difficult and he's a very sociable person. I think it hit him a lot harder than me. I'm an introvert who likes to spend a lot of time by herself. So um was a bit easier for me to adjust and to just see how hard that hit Roy like at the beginning and to see everything that he's made from it, like taken that really difficult situation and then kind of put all your effort into this course and your training because, because you, you weren't happy with your job when we first met either. Um, 
So I'm just, yeah, I'm just massively sort of inspired by your drive and dedication when things are really hard. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I met Jesse, yeah, she was kind of like a deer in the headlights. You know, <laughs> it was all new and fresh and shiny. <laughs> and uh, it was really fun. And I think initially we did look at our relationship as being about fun and excitement and kind of ex exploring stuff together. And then I, yeah, I kind of um, realized I was falling for you. And I remember telling you, you know, that I love you. I don't know, it was maybe about four months in or something. Mm. And one thing about that experience was, I felt for me it was also a growth, but I know we're talking about you, but <laughs> no, 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 is that um, I told her that I love her, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's totally fine for her not to feel the same and not to tell me that, you know, that I'm not like looking for, for reciprocity. I just want to express how I feel. Hmm. Um, and I've seen you in the last few years just become this amazingly strong-willed and, um, and like boundary person. Mm. and like the way you've um, learned from your relationships and the way you've learned from your experiences and apply that, um, how you are now setting boundaries with people and for yourself and really, you've always been really good at communication, right? Mm. But um, uh, it's just gotten better. And that's really helped me because I feel in the past, I wasn't so good at communicating and um, yeah having someone who is very clear how she communicates is, was really useful. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really, uh, uh, yeah. Um, admire the, 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 the growth you've, um, you've had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And also, and also like your sense of adventure. I think that's, like, <laughs> that's definitely come out a lot and I really mm. like that. <laughs> Right. That's exciting. And yeah, thank you. I love hearing that. It's really fun to share. Mm. Uh, one thing you touched on, which I don't know why I'm circling back on this, but um, was boundaries. And, you know, in so many relationships, it can be tricky to identify and then communicate and understand, like identify and understand and then communicate your boundaries. Do either of you have any, like, as thoughts on how you handle that and how, like, I don't want to say advice, but maybe just, uh, tips for handling boundaries. That's not, that's the same thing as advice. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to maybe say, I should rephrase to say, do you have like, what are your thoughts on creating Our experiences? Boundaries? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The experiences you've had. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of tips because that's part of my course. actually. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Part. But, um, well, in our relationship, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's really about, um, knowing how to communicate how you're feeling in the moment and, and, and kind of knowing to differentiate between the feeling in the moment and the general connection. So for example, Jesse might say, I'm not feeling like having sex tonight. And I don't need to read into that some kind of rejection or some kind of like fear that she doesn't want to have sex with me anymore. Right. It's like, I need to know how to listen to her and um accept that 
you know, accept just that, you know, her words and not read my own story and imagination into it. But it's about trust and kind of building up that trust that when, that when your partner does say, you know, everything is fine. I, I'm just not feeling very well or like to, to know that they mean that rather than them, you know, I guess saying one thing and meaning another kind of saying, Oh no, I don't, Mm. I'm not into that right now. It's not you. And then months down the line, you find out that that wasn't quite true. Yeah. So I've experienced in the past relationship, uh, a lot of things that were happening behind my back that I didn't know about, where I thought once things are a certain way and then realizing, no, I got it all wrong. And that kind of, uh, I guess, gaslighting is uh, very damaging because then you're starting to second guess yourself. And um, I, I mean, if I, I'm really happy I had the time of therapy before starting uh, new relationships. So, yeah, I mean, believing your partner and, um, and that goes both ways, right? Because, uh, you know, if you, if you know your partner is taking you at your word, you have to be very genuine and authentic mm. with your word. So that's important. I think what helped me a lot with setting my boundaries was how strong you were or are with your boundaries um, mm-hmm. and how actually sort of nice and almost, I don't want to say relaxing, that's not right, but how easy it made things when I realized that you aren't going to do things for me that you don't want to do and then resent me for it to kind of, to see the real positives of someone setting their boundaries and being, and not agreeing to things that you don't want to do to please me. Yeah. It kind of made it really obvious that as the other person, I preferred that. And then that really helped Cause I've, you know, feel a lot of guilt kind of, I want to please my partner and I want to do things that's nice for them, but being on the other side, yeah, just made me realize that it's actually better for both people to have those boundaries and to stick to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. I, 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 um, I think it's important to also recognize where the boundaries are in what realms, you know, you have boundaries around physical touch and, 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 and intimacy boundaries around maybe financial issues, you know, and this is something that because of our age difference also can, can be an issue because we have different income and, uh, <laughs> maybe not so much anymore, but we did before, before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I got a raise. <laughs> no, but, you know, so, so uh, boundaries around knowing, you know, actually I'm, I can't go out um, to these restaurants and stuff because I'm, I'm saving money right now. And uh, I don't want you to say to pay for me all the time. But if I say choose and I'm saying I am happy to pay, that is again, something that I'm doing say as a gift. I'm not expecting anything from that exchange. Right. So being kind of clear about that. Um, I like that you also had boundaries, say, around spaces where you, you you were worried about being triggered by certain things that you, you know, if I was interacting with other women, and then I'm not going to uh, necessarily have to change my behavior, but if but I can communicate to you what I think might happen or what I want to do, and then you make a choice of whether you want to be in that space or not. Hmm. And, and you, yeah, and you uh, honored yourself in that sense. So what that would look like then is 
rather than Jesse saying, no, you can't go do X, Y, or Z, it's go do that, but I don't feel comfortable being there. So you're going to do that on your own. And then, well, you have to be like, well, do I want to go do it on my own or do I want to be with Jesse? And then you both have to like say what you want. And then you count, you come to some type of compromise that makes you both feel good in that situation. Yeah, there's a few examples uh, that I think that maybe help to illustrate. Like, for example, yeah. if there's a party and I have another partner there and Jesse, then, you know, we make that decision. And I don't have to necessarily worry that it's going to be a crisis because um, it's just will make her more comfortable to not be in that space. I, yeah, I make a decision for myself that this is a party I want to be in. Um, or uh, another example is when I saw Jesse with another person. And it was at the party, right? And uh, as much as I was very supportive of her being there with him and, and, and doing whatever she did, I, I still felt some kind of twinge of, I don't know, insecurity, fear, whatever. And it was not very big, but it did. I did feel it in my body, right? So when she came over to me afterwards, she wanted to connect with me because I think she... You know, I think it was the first time this happened, maybe, no? Or yeah. That's in a public setting. And, yeah. And um, she wanted to kind of connect with me and maybe to show me that, that everything is okay kind of thing. But at that moment, I felt that I didn't want to be so close. And I actually told her, I need some time alone for, you know, it wasn't that long, but I needed some time and I couldn't just like right, right away be intimate with her. And I communicated that and then we waited a bit and then everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, it's it's important how that gets communicated, too, right? Like, and I don't know exactly how you said it, right? But, like, for me, it would be, like, yeah, Emma, you didn't do anything wrong, but, you know, it hit me, and I need to process this, so just give me a little bit of time versus, yeah. like, well, you were doing this, and it was, la, 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 mm, la, and, yeah, and yeah, now no, I need I to go, like, think about what you did, kind right. of. Right, yeah, totally. I was very clear to tell her that she did, that she did nothing wrong and that everything yeah. is fine. It's just that. I'm dealing with something. I'm processing. Yeah. 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 And that can be hard. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for those examples. I think it was really good too. Uh, what I was going to ask earlier is like maybe talking a little bit about what you mean by boundaries. And we kind of did that because I think people, when they hear boundaries, they go to like immediately thinking like we only do this this and this act together or like they're thinking those types but it's it's a lot more around it's not just physical acts. yeah it's not physical acts it's also just like there's there's so much that gets wrapped up in like like you said like not doing a ton of things for somebody else that you don't want to be doing but you're just doing them to make them feel good and then find out that you're getting resentful and then they find out that you're resentful and they're like why well, didn't want you to be doing that for me anyways if it was just making you feel like mm-hmm. shit so it's like a Nobody wins. Yeah, in that. I think I think it's probably different if uh, say it's a couple that opened up the relationships because they were so used to one way of doing things and the particular dynamic. Mm-hmm. And when that starts being questioned, it may not be at the same pace. You know, mm-hmm. we we started by while seeing other people, and I think a lot of that was just like given. This is just how our relationship is going to be. Um, and sometimes, as you get more intimate and closer, that might get more difficult. And I think that we, um, the way we dealt with that is by um, never uh, kind of relaxing into a, a false sense of like monogamy security. Or um, I think that we talk about this all lot. We share things about our other dates and, and other people we're seeing. It, it stays alive in our relationship as well, you know. So it's never a con- initial contention. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's also obviously important for logistical reasons to know like who, you know, mm-hmm. when, when we have available time and, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for no, sharing all that's of that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap up, we wanted to, well, actually, before I do my final question, I want to ask, do you have a blooper that you would be willing to share? We like to ask uh, our guests if they have a fun uh, blooper. It can be sexual or not, but basically that to show that relationships don't always go as planned. The funny thing, it's not a blooper, but when I first met Jessie, I was really attracted to her and I kind of spoke to her oh, yeah. and <laughs> I tried to engage with her and she totally ignored me. <laughs> And she doesn't even remember that ever happening. Right? <laughs> I have so no the first time I met Jesse is not the time that she met me because she had met me later on the beach when we talked. But uh, yeah, she has no memory of it. Yeah, and I guess so. I have no memory of Roy. Yeah, trying to talk to me. But when I, I guess, met him later on, it took me months of flirting with him before anything happened. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, and then I guess, I guess we went to a party. This was before we were together, but Roy offered to kind of put me up at his place. And I was like, well, obviously he's into me. And (laughs) I was like very excited about it. Um, And then I got too wasted and forgot that I was lactose intolerant. And I licked too much whipped cream off of people's bodies <laughs> and I got really ill and Roy had to drive me home <laughs> um, and then put me to bed and did nothing because you're a stand-up guy <laughs> but <laughs> I was very disappointed afterwards yeah so it took another month before we actually uh, connected yeah <laughs> sorry so it's a miracle you two ever got together from what I hear yeah <laughs> I mean, she was consistent, and um, yeah, eventually I got the message. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I want, and, I, and I think that it was more uh, because uh, she lived in a different town at the time, so I just didn't think it was realistic to even start anything. Mm. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. There are other circumstances there. Yeah, um, and then there was this one time. Um, so my previous relationship that I mentioned that didn't end well. There was a lot of kind of jealousy and and and, and outbursts of um, of. Uh, kind of negative energy and 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 i i think that that made me quite um i guess fearful of of talking about certain things up front and i generally everything was fine but then there was this one time where i i was going to meet someone for lunch that i um had met at a at an after party a few days before and i wasn't even interested in her necessarily it was just like a friendship thing but we met in um in kind of a sexy after party so when when Jesse she, she was actually staying in my house at the time, and she asked me where I'm going, and I said I'm going to a lunch meet uh, to a business meeting, which I had after that lunch, and I didn't mention I'm seeing this person. And on the way there and back, I was like trying to understand like why didn't I just tell her? I know it's not going to be a problem. Why am I? Why was I worried about telling her I'm going to meet someone that I just met because because she's a, a woman, and. On, I kind of thought about it on the way there and on the way back realized that it's this experience I had of the past relationship where it, even when there was like an innocent meeting with somebody, my ex would like get quite upset and, and, and kind of uh, turn it into a crisis. And I somehow that blocked me from just being totally upfront. So when I came back, I 
as as uncomfortable as it was, and even it wasn't even relevant because even if I never told Jesse, like it wouldn't matter, right? But I think that the principle of radical honesty has to be there all the time, and it's so important for a relationship to to maintain that level of high trust that we have. So I just sat her down. I remember like, Jesse, I have to talk to you. You terrified you, me. You freaked out because you thought it was going to be something really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I just talked. I just explained everything and. You were very understanding. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> this was going to be a way bigger deal. I thought like... <laughs> it was just lunch. It was just yeah. lunch. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's thank funny. you for sharing those stories. And yeah, they're fun. Um, well, maybe not all fun in the moment, but they're fun to reflect <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else that either of you would like to share and get out in the world? I know we want to give Roy you a minute to talk about your coaching and everything, but before we get there. Mm. No. Um, okay. Well, uh, so yeah, I've, um, I went through a bit of a crisis last year because of COVID and that led me to go on some courses. Uh, I did a radical honesty retreat. I, uh, uh, did a nonviolent communication course. I, um, did a, uh, a weekend course in psychosynthesis, which is a modality of psychotherapy. And I just, uh, yeah, decided to turn that despair that I was feeling into something more positive and signed up to begin a psychotherapy training. And, um, the other thing was that for the last few years, um, I've been pretty, um, engaged in the community, organizing various events, running consent workshops, uh, volunteering at different parties and, um, moderating some Facebook groups around polyamory. And, um, I, yeah, I realized I want to do more in that space and, um, with all the training that I've been doing and talking to a lot of people um, through the talks that I've been running, um, I thought that I can maybe help people avoid some of the mistakes that I've made, you know, some of the errors that I, judgment that I've had, um, and um, help people discover that there, are, there is a healthy way of, of, of um, doing non-monogamy that um, involves learning a lot about yourself first and then learning the building blocks of effective, honest communication of, um, setting healthy boundaries and respecting boundaries and all of that. So I've, um, set myself up with, uh, yeah, online tools with a social media account. So I mainly post on Instagram at open relating and, uh, I launched last month, a website called openrelating.love. And uh, where I, I can blog and write more kind of longer articles, and I also uh, launched at the end of last year a course called Relationships, uh, R E A L, and it's a five-week kind of intensive program with uh, two-hour workshops every week, where we go through this uh, pro journey together of um, uh, discovering our authentic self, what are our needs, our values, and our, and then developing the boundaries understanding how to communicate with a partner, how to design the relationship that's really right for you. So also we do that through deprogramming and unlearning a lot of monogamy myths and uh, expectations that we grow up with. And then um, uh, learning different, the building blocks of, uh, of an effective kind of connected, but still autonomous uh, relationship. 
and 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 yeah, just kind of exploring what are the relationship kind of dynamics uh, and variations that are out there, including around sexuality and kink and stuff like that. So yeah, it's really exciting, and um, I hope to reach people who are not quite sure if this is the right thing for them or have tried it but found it really difficult for different reasons and maybe are blocked because of um, because of the way that they grew up with, you know, kind of learning a lot of um, uh, socialized norms around monogamy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing that as well. And links to everything, like your website, Instagram, will be in our show notes. And so if anyone's curious and wants to learn more about your courses or your coaching or anything, they can go find the links there. Uh, and, yeah, we'd thank you again for sharing. Yeah. And for all of your hard work. That's a lot of work. (laughs) And and thank you both for coming on and reaching out and being here and sharing everything you both shared today. It was awesome meeting you both. So thank you. Um, And I guess we can let you, it's later on your end of the world. So we'll let you get along with your evening and um, we're going to eat some lunch. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're going to go for ice cream or I'm going to go for ice cream. You can. (laughs) It's, um, yeah, it's been really uh, enjoyable, and thank you for all those questions. Um, it actually yeah. helped bring out a lot Absolutely. of things. And, um, yeah, and don't forget you're lactose intolerant, Jesse. So make sure it's uh, lactose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's vegan ice creams. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Just looking out for you. So, <laughs> thank um, you. And, yeah. Enjoy that, and have a wonderful evening. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank Take you. care. Bye bye. And we're back. Thank you so much to Roy and Jesse for reaching out and sharing your story. We love talking to you and we're excited to get this out into the world. Yeah. And a reminder, Roy has got that uh, workshop coming up uh, this weekend, May 30th, 2021. So check out the links in the show notes on that. Um, yeah, we're excited to get the word out about his work that he's doing. So yeah, links in the show notes to all of the work, his upcoming course starting on June 27th as well. Yep. And... Uh, we just wanted to give you guys a little bit more, you guys, look at me being on Midwest. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We wanted to give you all a little more information. It's inf- kind of a habit. It is. We're trying to break it. Uh, we wanted to give you all a little bit more information on what Patreon is. So if you're looking for community, if you're looking for other people who are open-minded, maybe starting to explore non-monogamy yourself, um, anyway, you're just looking for support. Uh, check out our Patreon community. There's over 165, almost 170 members. Uh, it keeps growing, and it's super supportive. It's been a lifeline for Emma and myself the last year. Uh, we've made some wonderful friends. We've seen uh, amazing friendships and support come out of this. And so, yeah, a huge thank you to everyone who makes it such a great community, and we'd love to have you check it out and join. Yes. And a quick reminder, the Q&A for our next monthly Q&A is tonight, May 26th. We'll also have one in June if you happen to miss tonight. And our next women's group call is June 9th and men's group call is June 7th. So it's the perfect time to join because you could join today, try out the Q&A. If you're like, this community sucks, you just cancel. <laughs> yes, that's true. And it costs you we like not, five bucks. We do not take it personally if you don't like it. Emma doesn't take it personally. Okay, Finn does a little bit. Okay, <laughs> that's it. I think next week, Next week, we've got an awesome, awesome interview. As always. As always, with Philip. Yes. So come back next week for that. We're excited to, uh, yeah, see you in a week. And if you're in the U.S., have a good Memorial Day weekend. 
That's true. Coming up soon. Long weekend. If you're not in the U.S., well, sorry you got to work on Monday. (laughs) True. Who knows? There's probably another Monday holiday. Yeah, especially if you're like in Germany. They have a holiday every Monday. Yes, they do. So I'm a little bitter from my days working with a German company. (laughs) They have lots of holidays. I'll drop it. Okay. I think that's it. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.